Welcome to the Run Beyond podcast, and today we have a really special guest that uh, is a little bit, a little bit different than our typical uh, person we talk to here on the podcast. It's uh, his name is Julian Carr. He is a prolific professional big mountain aerial badass skier that uh, is also an amazing guy, and I've had the opportunity to meet and hang out and. Uh, hang out with Julian. He holds the world record for going skiing off a cliff in Switzerland at 210 feet. He's won the gold medal at the uh, X Games, I believe, for a freestyle uh, skiing. He's also Powder Magazine. He's he's run you know Reader's Choice of everybody's favorite skier, and he's he's also won uh, awards for you know going to places that are absolutely stunning and beautiful and, and capturing the moment in the mountains. And on top of all of that, the kind of the thing that makes me uh, just just amazed by Julian is that he is also a uh, person who really loves traveling in the mountains during the summer as well. Um, he he's he's a trail runner, he's a mountain runner, and he is the founder and owner of the Cirque series trail running uh, series, which uh, covers states such as uh, Colorado, Alaska, and Alaska, and Utah in Brighton, I think Snowbird, and he has a, a great series that I've had the opportunity to to partake in. I ran uh, in a basin with um, with at, at the Cirque Series race there, and he makes these races that go up to ridges, sometimes off trail, uh, super technical, super high altitude, and they're short races. Uh, I feel like a lot of the trail races in the United States, we kind of focus on marathon and ultra marathon distances and julian has gifted north america with uh, a badass trail running series that uh is shorter in distance i think you know from from somewhere around 10k to 20k uh correct me if i'm wrong julian that's uh that's kind of the the sweet spot that you found for for your trail racing series and yeah we've got him on the show we're going to talk to you julian and um see what uh, you think about trail running and, and tell us a little story maybe about uh, your skiing and your passions. And uh, one, one little funny fact is that uh, Jason Brooks lives at 8-9. Um, I live at 8-1, but Julian wins the game and he is in a cabin right now with us talking at 10,000 feet. So welcome, Julian. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> the, the real winner here is that I found a good internet provider up here at 10,000 feet. Um, but yeah, it's great to be on the show, man. Um, thanks for having me on. Thank you, man. Thank you. So I, I guess, t- tell us, um, you know, you've been, I, I would assume been skiing your whole life. When did you get into trail running and when, when did, when did that kind of, when did that kind of marriage, you know, of, of traveling through the mountains, uh, kind of happen? You know, ever since I was a little kid, um, my dad and I mean, my family, we'd go camping in Southern Utah, but particularly my dad and I would go frequently, just the two of us. And he'd take us on, me on these really long day hikes to petroglyphs and he'd follow these kind of hand-drawn maps from uh, just a couple guys that sold books in Wasatch Touring. Um, so we were definitely going to off the grid uh, petroglyphs, which was, you know, as a, a little kid camping underneath the stars going to find these petroglyphs and having to hike, you know, 12, 15 hour days to find them. I really found an appreciation for, you know, body rhythm. And I didn't start skiing until eighth grade. 
And uh, I'd played team sports my whole life, but I'd always been an avid hiker with my dad, whether it was in Southern Utah or the Uinta Mountains, um, for the most part. So when I started skiing in eighth grade, I really fell in love with it and uh, into high school. And then, you know, first couple years of college, I decided I really wanted to go down that path as a career. And what I learned very quickly was that to be a professional skier, 95% of, uh, you know, that path is, is hiking. So, you know, on TV, I think a little bit it's glamorized. There might be a stereotype that we're in helicopters all the time, but that's really not the case. Um, you know, we're hiking all the time. And so I really fell back in love with uh, body rhythm. And obviously when you're hiking up in the high alpine in the wintertime, you're stick to, sticking to ridges and, you know, the avalanche uh, mitigation is uh, the priority. And so whether we're hiking up with touring gear or boot packing up ridges, <clears throat> I loved it. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I, you know, re was really to carve out a nice path and, and get a seat at that table was that, you know, a lot of guys don't have the stomach to wake up at four in the morning to go hike up a mountain for sunrise to, to get the great footage. And uh, for me, it was just a, a nice sink. And I, I rediscovered that love of the body rhythm. Because like I said, I played a lot of team sports my whole upbringing and didn't realize this kind of uh, default mode I had in me for, uh, I say I can go in like first or second gear all day. I don't know how guys like you, Shalarb, can go in fourth gear all day, but uh, I, I can grind it out and not stop, but I don't go that fast, but I love it. That's what bootpacking is. And so being in the, uh, the high alpine, um, usually in the summertime, um, I was mountain biking all the time. Uh, or wake surfing or skateboarding or something. And I got this really cool dog uh, six or seven years ago. And I took her on a few mountain bike rides when she was a puppy and she loved it. But I mean, she was full on sprinting for 15, 20 miles. And right away I was like, man, this is not sustainable. So I lived right by the trailhead to Mount Olympus in Salt Lake City and so for anyone that's hiked that, you know, it's like a five and a half mile round trip hike with 4,000 vert. So it's very straight up, straight down. And I started hiking to about the halfway point um, and loving it. My buddies that did forest firefighting, they were like, hey, that's like one of our kind of benchmarks. If you can be on our forest firefighting crews, you have to get to that stream in 30 minutes. And if you can't, you just can't be on the crew. So I was so used to, you know, boot packing and touring. I thought for sure that 30 minutes would be easy for me. And so I went out, timed myself and just hiked as hard as I could. And I got to the stream. It was 31 minutes and I was so pissed. And uh, then I kind of learned what it meant to, you know, I call it grandpa jog on the uphill when it's really steep. But obviously that's quite heroic if you can, have any kind of pace that's faster than, you know, red line hiking. Um, you really do make up a lot of ground. And so I started chipping away at this 30 minute benchmark and, you know, fast forward that spring at 31 minutes to fall, I got it down to 2251 and I completely fell in love with the idea of mountain running. And for me, it was like, you know, this amazing adventure. I was seeing the most beautiful sunrises, sunsets, highly technical terrain. 
Um, my dog's happy. I'm in the best shape of my life. And I went into ski conditioning that year in better shape than I'd ever left it. And so just the, you know, the, the coordination of it all, the agility of it all, the beauty of it all. And I'd kind of try to invite my friends and they'd be like, Oh, I don't run. I'm like, it's not really running. Like, this is different. This is like such a cool way to be in the mountains. And I, I fell in love with, you know, trying to hike the South Ridge of Mount Superior and going up the West Labs of Mount Olympus and rediscovering all these amazing peaks right there in my backyard in the summer. So I was hiking Pfeifferhorn and um, just like all these Lone Peak, all, all that cool stuff. And suddenly um, I had a whole nother passion, I guess you could say, because I never was super passionate about mountain biking or wake surfing. It was all just kind of a recreation. Um and so I'm giving you like the full answer here, but, uh, the, the, that, that process of finding that passion for hiking Mount Olympus basically because of my dog, um, really led me down this amazing full love of, of, uh, mountain running, you know, quote unquote, cause I didn't even know if I called it running. I was like, this is just a mountain adventure. I love it. And, um, so then my buddy, the whole winter goes by. I'm having a great time skiing. And even whenever there's enough melt in the valley, I go hike Mount Olympus frequently still to the stream and back down. And so I'm like full on into mountain running. And so the next spring comes around, my buddy's wife is like, Hey, we're going to go do this, uh, trail run race in Moab. Um, do you want to come? And I'm like, uh, is there any elevation? She's like, well, no, not really. It's, it's Moab. Um, I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not really a runner, so I'm, I'm probably good. She's like, well, I signed you up and we're going camping. It's next weekend. You should, you're, you're coming. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm coming. Let's go. <laughs> so I go down there with my buddy the night before the race. Um, you know, we're tipping back a couple beers, having a good time. I'm definitely not like preparing the way I totally should. Um, we get up and dust ourselves off and we go race the race and I get second place. And I'm like, Oh man, this is awesome. I'm going to have like a whole nother like off season thing I can compete in. And I just noticed though, at the end of the race, we're the only people that like parked our car, flipped up the tailgate and like rooted people through the finish line. There was no, uh, after race vibes at all. And um, I'm just looking at the guys that put on the race because there was, you know, four or 500 people in it that all paid 60, 70 bucks. And I'm like, good for those guys. They just pocketed like 40 grand pretty much. And obviously this is a beautiful race and that's what speaks for itself. But I was looking at this community of people. I was like, man, they're dying to have a good time. There's some really interesting people here and there is zero atmosphere be besides the race itself. And it was just kind of like a fleeting note to self. Um, and my, my, my prize for second place was a, you know, $15 gift certificate to the local coffee shop in Moab. So I, I appreciated the production, but I definitely thought it was underproduced and it was just kind of things I noticed because I've always been a part of event production in various ways throughout my whole life. Um, and especially in my ski career, I've been like, a producer on quite a few of our trips and a lot of these projects we put together. So I just naturally look at that kind of stuff. And 
Um, fast forward two or three weeks later, I was sponsored a GoPro and they were putting on their first GoPro games or maybe their second, but they're like, Hey, if there's any events you want to do, we just want you to come hang out. Um, and if there's any events, just let us know. So I noticed there was a 15 K trail run race. Um, so I'm like, sweet, I'll do that. And hopefully I'll podium again. (laughs) And so I go there and it's the opposite. It's this hyper produced event with tons of atmosphere um and quickly as soon as the start gate happened i i quickly realized that i was nowhere near gonna podium um i think sage candidate was there joe gray some of these other you know obviously world-class guys that just took off and it slapped me in the face how fast they were i i was shocked it didn't make any sense so uh, I raced the race and I'm under impressed with the course because the course just felt like they ran us in figure eights and Aspens and then brought us back to the finish line. There's no sense of accomplishment. There's no sense of destination. There was no sense of like shared experience um, or any kind of triumph. It just felt like getting led around in the trees and back through the finish line. So I thought that underwhelmed me. And that was like another thing that, um, kind of struck me and I was like, man, there's got to be a race out there that's like hiking Mount Olympus. Uh, and so I got home and Googled and, you know, that's when I quickly learned about the hard rocks and the great Western and the Wasatch 100 and the speed goat and all these amazing, amazing, uh, high Alpine races. And what I could not believe was that there were zero short distance bagging a peak, oriented races in the United States, except for Mount Marathon up in uh, Seward. That was the only one I found that was short distance hitting a cool mm-hmm. peak and coming back. Down. Um, so it was kind of a fleeting thought. And I was like, man, I should create a uh, Wasatch Classics. And the first idea was to have a race to the top of Mount Olympus and back down and Grandeur Peak and back down and Mount Beacon or Beacon Peak and back down. Um, and so that, and it, the whole time, I'm still addicted to hiking to the stream on Mount Olympus. That's like my thing. So two or three years are going by at this point throughout this whole story. And um, the idea of creating a race series was just an afterthought. But I was on a trip, a ski trip in Iceland, and it was in March in 2015. And we were at the top of this really cool, like 3,000-foot couloir we're about to ski. We just hiked up there. I was up first in my group. I had about 20 minutes to myself overlooking the Arctic Ocean. And um, it just kind of hit me. I was like, you know what? You feel so good being up here. You're about to hit this entire summer. Like you should create that race series that you've been thinking about in the back of your head. Um, So at that moment, I kind of decided that I'd, I'd create the races that year. And that was in March. And so fast forward to August 6th, 2015, that was our first race at Alta. And we did races that year, that first year at Alta, Deer Valley, Crested Butte, and uh, Snowbird. And it was really fun to, you know, what I thought would be just a fun little side project. I quickly, you know, it's a full startup company. It was a full immerse myself in the trail run scene. Um, and I haven't looked back and it's been so fun because for me skiing, once you're done with the day skiing, you want to come down and operate, you want to celebrate the adventure. And so 
when I put the races together, I was like, I want to have, you know, short distance max vert races that we hit iconic peaks and come back down into a vendor village with awesome brands, great music and announcer. And I just want it to be like a world-class hangout. So I've always put the emphasis on the race, but just as much emphasis on the hangout afterwards, because that's how it is with skiing. Like that, that's just important. And it's been really cool to see the inclusivity of it all. Um, <clears throat> we've had ages eight through 82 come out for Cirque series and we've had, you know, pros all the way down to like grandpa, you know, and every kind of walk of life you can imagine. It's so fun to see me. I think the pros, cause you guys are so used to being around your own peer group that suddenly you're in this environment where you have this huge fan base suddenly. So I think, you know, it's pretty fun to see some of you guys that can, you know, <laughs> suddenly yeah, there's just all these hundreds of people that are fanning out on you instead of just being around your peers. Um, so it's pretty fun to see all walks of life. Um, and we've been able to expand the races now to Alaska and, you know, up in Grand Targhee, uh, six races total each year. And it's like a, for me, it's perfect bandwidth because I can race direct and, you know, be at the helm and enjoy it and not feel burnout at all. Uh, and I love it. And then it keeps me in shape. I'm hiking all these great peaks all year, meeting all these vibrant people and really, really enjoying it. And it allows me to still, you know, have the whole winter's free to ski. And uh, yeah, that was, that was the short answer going real long. <laughs> <laughs> Short answer to a long question. <laughs> yeah, man, I th th this is this is great, and and that's you know having been in the kind of trail running community for uh, you know since about you know two thousand nine. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, you know I have I have one of one of the things that I love is is traveling. And, uh, you know, experiencing different culture, different groups of people sharing the mountain uh, kind of vibe and, you know, kind of doing some history and studying. You know, I learned about this sky running phenomena, this, uh, you know, Matt Carpenter, you mentioned the GoPro games. It, it used to be the Teva games, uh, you know, whatever it's called now. You know, I, I Matt Carpenter's a hero of mine and he was a specialist and a badass at doing exactly what you're describing in those short, steep, badass mountain races. Um, and, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, it was kind of popular in the U S but I, I, I think that that's an exaggeration. It kind of had a bit of a, a peak, you know, and you had the, uh, the Pikes peak, uh, run. And then you had in Europe, you had these legendary races like Zagama Sierra Zanal and then the, you know, the sky running world series where you have tunnels of people, you know, going up a mountain, everybody is, you know, ringing cowbells and like, you know, slapping the guy in the butt and, you know, everybody's cheering and having a great time. And then, you know, you, you're in the Alps where at the bottom of the, this, this trail running race is a town and, and bars and, and, uh, you know, you know, places to eat. And it's, it's a big experience. It's, it's a fun, fun deal. And, you know, yes, I love the ultra kind of vibe and the, the like really kind of quiet, let's call it a dirt bag kind of weirdos that like to go and run for 20 hours or whatever. But, you know, I also coming from a, um, a ski background and then also a, uh, 
you know, I ran collegiately and all this stuff. I, I love the competition. I love the energy. I love the, uh, you know, the intensity and I love the sky running thing, but we didn't have it in the U S we, we, you know, we had the, the La Sportiva mountain cup and that, you know, there was those races and it was really, really tiny. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, there was no big vibe and excitement at the end of the race. And, uh, you know, and then we had the sky running series that was in the U S for a little while that, you know, we had some races in New York and, uh, out in California at, you know, Lake Tahoe, but it, it just never kind of really caught. And then I heard about your Cirque series, you know, and not only were you, you know, one of my heroes for skiing, because I've, I've always had the passion of flying down mountains, but all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, Julian Carr is bringing sky running to the United States. And, uh, you know, I was like, I, I contacted, Hey, I would love to run one of these races. Um, you know, I'm in Colorado, which, which races, you know, are, you know, do you have, and I checked out the schedule and, uh, was able to do a basin. And, uh, you know, this, this is a little bit of a long story, but like went out there and I realized right away at the, you know, start during the race and at the finish, I was like, Oh my gosh, man, this is a different feel. This is like, you know, we've got some mountain lovers that are skiers that are kind of like, let, let's just be honest, you know, skiers are a little bit more hip, a little bit more uh, cool, let's say. And uh, they're, you know, they, they've got a different vibe and a different feel. And then you've got some of these trail runner guys and gals that are kind of, you know, uh, geeky, dirtbag, you know, kind of like, you know, uh, let's call introvert mountain hermits. And then, you know, you, it, it was it was also because it was a short distance, you had some guys, you know, because Julian puts um, a cool thing. I, I, I appreciate this. He, you know, he put some money into the first, second, third for the men and the women and, uh, you know, some some shoes, you know, with on, you know, being the sponsor. And so you got some of these roadies out there as well. And so at the finish, you know, you've got some actual kind of hip, cool music you know, which is completely something that we don't have at, at trail races, usually <laughs> ultra marathon races. And you've got the skiers, you've got the ultra runners, you've got the trail runners and you've got, you know, road runners. And it was like this big party. It was really fun. The energy was awesome. The races were doing well. I, you know, I saw that, you know, Grayson Murphy went to some of these, Joe went to some of these and, you know, we had some big names coming out. And then, you know, we had COVID for the last couple of years and I'm, I'm excited for that shit to be over and for you to continue to build this energy, this excitement for our community and to bring in a lot of different people. You know, you know, I've got my best friends and they, they you know, like I, I share a certain commonality, but I like to go and be able to expand our our sport to be able to like, you know, it's not that it's like getting commercialized or like, you know, that because you play some cool kind of electronic funk kind of, you know, music at the end of the race, um, you know, that that doesn't mean that, you know, that's not awesome and that we can't like bring more and more people and appreciate, you know, self-propelled mountain travel and the art and dance of like, you know, traveling at fast speeds down gnarly terrain you know, because that's something that skiers appreciate. And that's also something that ultra runners appreciate. And that's also something that, you know, somebody that's on the road can appreciate. And so like you are creating something special and cool and big. And like, I hope it catches on and it, you know, kicks ass and does what the La Sportiva Mountain Cup and the Sky Running US Series never could do. 
and that, uh, you know, we have guys and gals out there just pushing themselves and, and kicking ass in the high Alpine, man. So that was my fanboy. Like, I love you, Julian. So uh, thank you for that, man. So I, and I noticed that you've run, you know, you've run some of your events, which is, is so cool, man, because you're, you're not, uh, you know, you didn't come in just like, hey, here's an opportunity to, to make some money. And, you know, like you said, in your kind of bio story, you have that appreciation you kick ass. And I think it's part of the reason that, you know, you're not a, you know, flash in the pan, man. You not only jump off 200 foot cliffs and, you know, keep going back to Targhee and, and, you know, with, with Owen and stuff and keep doing incredible stuff. I think it's partly, maybe part of your secret is that you go in the mountains and you, you know, kick your ass and, and, you know, run up 12,000 foot peaks, you know, that's part of, I think maybe, maybe I'm projecting this, but I think it's maybe part of your secret of, of, of being in the sport for quite a while, man, and not being hurt. And so I think that, you know, let's let skiers know how awesome this is, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I need I need you to be my hype man everywhere I go. That was that was awesome. Thanks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. The the COVID, you know, it was brutal because we had, you know, going into our fifth year last year, the year before we had sold out five of our six races, and going into last year we were you know right on the the mark to sell out all of our races well ahead of time, and really continue to establish ourselves, you know, as, as a really the premier short distance mountain running series in the United States. Uh, there's obviously really cool races that are out there, like run the rut and broken arrow and some of these other great races that are, you know, one weekend once a year. And I admire the hell out of that because I know what it takes to produce an event. And obviously to have a, a series you can follow along and to be a part of a point standing um, you know, it's something that I look at Europe and I see what they're doing with, uh, like the golden race series and obviously all kinds of other stuff they have going on. I even went over there in uh, the fall of 2019 to look about expanding our races out there. Um, and I went and I attended the uh, CCC just to watch the production, uh, see if I could learn anything. And it was really fun. It was a nice affirmation for me. Because I was like, you know what? Our races, I think, are definitely just as cool as any of this stuff. Um, so it was, it was really fun for me to, to witness that and to um, you know, just kind of affirm what I've been building. Um, so obviously, to have COVID hit was pretty brutal um, to have to postpone everything out a year. Um, and now, obviously, people are really hungry. I get lots of emails and calls. And obviously, this year, there's so much excitement. Um, so I can't wait to produce the events this year and get back in the swing of things. Um, Cause I do think that for North America, it is a needed gap. And I'm, now that I know the landscape so well, um, it really gives me that sense of responsibility to throw great races. Um, and like you said, I'm still like my own races, number one fan. Um, I've ran all our races and I have an amazing crew that I produce the events with. Um, and I love running the races. I love being out there pushing it as fast as I can with, you know, it ends up being the same 20, 30 people that you get passed by, you pass them in certain kind of terrain. And 
you become fast friends with them and then you get down to the finish line and bullshit with them and talk about all the areas where like, Oh, you passed me in that one spot. I was so pissed, but then I got you on that downhill part. And I see those kind of conversations happening everywhere. But, um, the, you know, it's a working lap for me because I know most race directors aren't running their own races, but I, I, I just love to make sure like, okay, we marked the course well, um, the aid stations are in the right spot. The aid station people are doing a great job. Um, the EMTs are in the right spot. The volunteers are in the right spot. Um, you know, I'm, it's a working lap. So I'm definitely testing the product, but I'm certainly stopping quite a bit to assist or clarify or help out or move people. And, um, and that's the beauty of it, having a short race. Um, and I know you mentioned it earlier, but our, our average race is uh, seven miles with 3000 vert. And we always hit at least one peak, if not, you know, two, three or four peaks in, the, in that short kind of distance. Um, and that's just it. I want a race that is super challenging. It's a very direct, intuitive path to the peak. Um, it's going to completely whoop your ass, but it's not going to ruin you. You're going to get back down to the finish line and you have, you're recovered. You're good. You know, you're going to take a couple cups of the electrolytes in the finish line and, and you're going to group yourself back together. You might go take a dip in the stream for five minutes, but then you come back. You're okay. You know, you're not, and don't, don't get me wrong. I, I admire and I love the idea and the long races. It, that's superhuman. You know, uh, it's just a different concept that we're going after. Um, and from the event production, the safety logistics, the um, management of the team and the crew, um, and just everything that's involved, it, it obviously is a lot of moving parts, but it's, it's an intact one day kind of deal. So obviously trying to produce these longer distance races, uh, it's just a lot more involved. Um, so I hats off to people that are competing and producing mm -hmm. the longer events. We're just doing something a little different and, and it's been a really awesome formula and it looks like this year we're going to sell out all the races. Um, the only one we might not is Grand Targhee, but that's out in September. Um, and we're almost already a third full, so we might actually hit the 500 mark for Targhee. We'll see, but I'm really excited about that course. Cause like you said, I've been skiing there now for 10, 15 years. And it seems like every year I'm lucky enough to time a storm right for the past three or four years. And one of my buddies is a fellow professional skier, Owen Leeper, and him and I have been lucky enough to get out there and, you know, hit cliffs simultaneously. There's this really amazing ridge line that has all these really cool cliffs that him and I've been able to tee off, you know, 10 or 15 of them in a day, uh, three years in a row now, um, that we'll have two or three days to just kind of have at it so part of our race actually goes along that cliff ridge up to uh mary's um along the the ridge to peaked and then down into the sacagawea single track so couldn't be more stoked about the course we have at Targi, and this will be our first year um so yeah i think people are hungry um i love having the the grayson murphys the joe grays um it's really fun for all the mortals to be around such world-class athletes. Um, and you know, it's really fun for us to see a lot of these beginner types. Um, and for us, obviously stress, uh, you know, trail etiquette, um, 
and inform and educate our mm-hmm. audience about how to be a good steward of the land and to stay on trail, what wildflowers are in the area. Um, so they understand how, you know, delicate that high Alpine area is because we're there to celebrate the mountains. We're definitely not there to impede on them or to cause any harm. So that's also part of the messaging that we have is to be a good steward and to travel lightly and travel on trail. Um, and that, you know, we need to inform people just how delicate that high Alpine environment is because we have so many beginner types that are doing our races, which I love. Um, but I also feel a deep sense of responsibility, uh, informing, uh, great trail etiquette, um, and just how sensitive that high Alpine is. Um, and, you know, the, the idea of like, uh, having more races has always been like, you know, something I think about, but six is like the magic number right now. Um, and obviously having to be in the high Alpine where there's snow eight months out of the year, you know, we've had races that we are traveling through the snow quite a bit and glissading even on course. So for me, I think having a race series of six, seven races is perfect. Um, we'll see if we want to expand maybe a couple more, if we wanted to do Europe eventually, or, you know, there's so many markets I want to get to. I want to go to the Seattle area and get in the Cascades. I want to go to Montana. I want to go to Tahoe. I want to go out East. Uh, I want to go to New Mexico. I mean, I want to have more races in Colorado. Believe me, like I have thought real hard and been real close to adding more races than I'm like, I'd rather really, really produce six races super, super well than tack on, you know, four more races and spread myself thin and my crew thin. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at with the races, but I'm really excited to be back in the swing of things this year. Julian, I, I catch all these parallels with us. My wife and I have been race directors for the past six years, and we partnered with Jason this year with a new brand, this Run Beyond experience that we're working on. We started with a few races. We eventually got to the point where in a nine-month span, we produced 15 races, and it was totally overwhelming, <laughs> like 100% felt like we were doing nothing but race directing. It was sometimes two races in a month or even three might pop up in like a five week period. We've massively consolidated. We're down to three races, but what really resonates with me is is sort of the cultural ethos that you're trying to create with the series and especially the focus on the experience. When we got into trail racing, there was, we were living in Austin, Texas. There was really only one outfit in the state. There were a lot of local, you know, like one dude owns one race in North Texas or one here or there. And then there was some one business out of Austin producing a lot of races, Taos Trails, they had like Bandera, Rocky Raccoon, some of these big national events. And every time we'd go to the races, you show up, there's not really anything going on, camp out the night before, wake up in the morning, race, you get done. There's no one around. There's nothing, no food, no drink, no music nothing. And that really became a salient point when we moved to the Seattle area and we did some rain shadow running races with James Varner. And to get to the, for the other thing about Texas was you couldn't find a race course over 25 K except for the Bandera race, which had a 50 K course. So go 
we, we start running in in the cascades and there are these like epic looped courses 50k 60k 50 miles and you get to the finish line and there's a band kegs of beer from the local breweries huge spreads of like farmers market produce everywhere a dude on a pizza oven like the whole thing was was really kind of like a weekend immersive experience and so that was when we decided like we we were moving back to austin we're going to create we're going to recreate something like this like a full weekend focus on the experience of being in the outdoors hanging out with people in a community and having a lot of fun running and sharing that experience with everybody. And so that, that was for us, the inception of it was, was that we wanted to create community and focus on experience. And so I really appreciate that you're doing that. And it's still this missing in a lot of places throughout the U S with the race experience. And I think that when you can build community and you focus on that immersive experience is also the best business model for this market, <laughs> uh, which is, I don't know. I mean, it seems so intuitive, but it's not what you see everywhere you yeah. go. I mean, I'm yeah. glad you said, you know, it's intuitive because I think it either is or it isn't. And I, for, you know, some race directors and other uh, outfits that are throwing a great race and a great race course, you know, there, I think there's an audience for that, but I think that, uh, even the kind of introverted people that might find the atmosphere of the music and the drink and the social aspect, it, uh, maybe too much for them. Um, they're still going to love the race, obviously, cause you want to throw a great race and there's plenty of races out there for mm -hmm. people that maybe don't want that social environment. Um, I think the majority of people do. <laughs> and I think that the outdoor industry um, has been growing so much. I think that the mountain running um, kind of little sector has been booming. I mean, I, I can't think of an outdoor, um, an outdoor activity that's been growing faster. It's, it's huge. And I think it's for a reason because people are starting to realize that being in nature is awesome. <laughs> and the idea of having a relationship with a mountain with your own two feet is pretty hard to beat. Um, I still have mountain biker buddies that I don't you yeah. know, mountain bike with anymore. They give me a hard time. And it's like, dude, you can't go mountain bike on the South Ridge of Superior. You can't go mountain bike in the high Alpine areas <laughs> that your two feet can take you. You know, and that's actually Schlarb. One of the things that you brought up earlier, it's so funny sometimes at races when I see the roadrunner types that are there because they see that there's decent prize money. Um, you know, they see some of their friends of doing, doing it and they see the low mileage and they're like, oh, yeah, I can probably hang here. And then I see him after the race. They're like, holy crap, bro. Like, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no idea we we're going to be like literally dancing on the ridges with some exposure and like you had to use your hands. And I thought this was going to be like a running race. And boy, was I surprised. But I had a blast. You know, I had so much fun. This is like open my eye. I, I hear that at every race. And it's so fun for me to see that. Um, and I love it because I, I, 
I like to make fun of all the guys wearing the super short shorts <laughs> and um, they give me a hard time because I'm like still wearing basketball shorts pretty much. And they're like, dude, when are you going to start getting a little shorter shorts? So it's like a, a really fun mix of cultures. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's, there's like, I, I can think of three things in addition to, you know, having to wear practically underwear or whatever, uh, running is sometimes people think, uh, is trail running has a few things that hamstring us, uh, ultra running. And that is like, you know, young people don't want to go run for 10 hours, 20 hours, you know, five hours and one hour, you know, sometimes. And, and, you know, that keeps the trail ultra community kind of old. And those old guys, you know, typically that's that's the the the, uh, the demographic, um, are also weird and and not big consumers, and they're not flashy. And and you know, you run a 15, 20 hour race, and you're not going to want to go dance and have you know f- you know four beers and 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 hang out with your friends and rally. You know that also hamstrings us. And then you know we don't have, um, and this is, this is a touchy one. We don't have the commercial sponsor consumer kind of, uh, buy-in, you know, we don't have that ability to bring that support. And then maybe, you know, in, in a way kind of like UTMB has, or sky running has, or the golden trail series has is bring some money and some investment and some energy. And by not having all of those things, you know, we kind of, you know, we, 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 we don't grow in a certain way, good or bad. Um, I happen to sit in the camp that, man, I believe that the more people that get out on the mountains, you know, and on their, you know, two feet, like you said, uh, it, this is the big enabler. You don't have to buy a $5,000 mountain bike to go, you know, bike trestles or, or whistler or something like that. Or, you know, let's be honest, skiing is, is fucking expensive man trail running you don't have that and you get these people to get exposed to nature you get them to see those wildflowers and you know like an elk running across the course or something like that and people start to appreciate because they're there because they see it and it sells itself and so yeah, we get a whole bunch of money and, and like, uh, you know, a whole bunch of brands involved and, and, you know, you get the competitiveness of, you know, bringing in some badass, let's say, you know, schemo guys, uh, skiers, bikers and trail runner, ultra guys and, and, and road runners. And, and then you have this really badass competition and, bec- and it becomes spectator friendly too, because it's, you don't have to wait, you know, 25 hours to see who wants hard hit hard rock or something. So it has this opportunity. And I think it's a good thing. You know, a lot of trail ultra, you know, old, old school would say, Oh no, 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 no. That's not what we want at all. But I believe the more people running out on the mountains and, you know, even if it is loud and exciting and there's a huge ass party and, you know, you win 20,000 bucks for winning the Cirque series world championships. I think that's awesome, man. I think it's a good thing. There's more people outside. There's more people moving their bodies. And frankly, you know, running gear is not that much. You know, it's not like a huge, you know, you know, impact on, uh, you know, just just lots of equipment and plastic and metal and, and you know, frankly, riding lists and shit. When we go run this, you know, Cirque Series World Championship, we're not doing any of that stuff. Wearing some clothes and a little, you know, maybe a hand water bottle. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot to gain for the en- entire, you know, spectrum of that experience. And, and I, I, I want that to happen. 
I want us to have the UTMB vibe in a short trail race thing that that has young people there from multiple distances of or multiple disciplines of of mountain you know enjoyment you know that would be that would be a home run that would be a dream come true so keep doing it man <laughs> I think so one of the things about your your third point there Jason we are somewhat, I mean, I don't want to say hamstrung, but we're limited in the trail running market because we typically can't have a lot of participants. Mm-hmm. Like I bet Julian, you're selling out the Cirque series races because you have permit caps with the forest service or whoever you're working with. And that's, that's what we're often going to run into. It's like, oh, you can have 250 people here, or you can have maybe 500. It's rare when you get the UTMB or like a Bandera and Rocky Raccoon in Texas or are in state parks that have historically allowed a lot of people to come out there. I can have a thousand participants. UTMB to me is just mind blowing that you can have that many people in that race and run in that environment. I think that is really special across the globe. And maybe speaks to some differences in land management between Europe and the U.S. You know, we have extremely restrictive environmental management policies. With, you know, we we have kind of like the BLM where everything can go, the Forest Service a little better, and then like a national mm-hmm. park. It's <laughs> we only you know of road races in national parks, and so I feel like we get limited on that, and that's why it's so important to focus on the experience, like really the quality of the production and. Um, and that like builds the brand of those races and helps bring some notoriety. But I feel like it, the difference between having, you know, a major marathon in every city that brings 50,000 people versus trail races that can have 500 means the exposure for brands is really limited in this market and maybe why it's hard to get them in or to sustain some of the initiatives. Like you got to wonder why La Sportiva didn't sustain a mountain running series or any other major brand that's invested. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that is the, you know, plus side, the kind of what we have going for us is that summertime activities, you know, partnering with venues, at least for the Cirque series, that's part of our formula. Um, we want to be, you know, with a pre-existing infrastructure. So the safety extraction, the, the safety protocols are very easy to um, orchestrate because obviously, you know, being in the high Alpine in very tricky environments, um, you know, that's, it's going to be part of the, the program. So we have to make sure we're super prepared. Um, so having venues that are super eager to partner is awesome. Um, and you're not going to run into exorbitant venue fees because of that, because they're really excited to have you there. And especially since it's, um, a low impact, small requests, uh, that we need from the partner venue. So it's a nice turnkey. Um, we kind of both complement each other. Um, and I think being able to plug into the venues marketing so that they can inform people that enjoy their mountain about the race that's going on there, it helps a lot. And I think that, you know, with the forest service and permits, we had had, um, you know, an allowance up to a thousand runners one year. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what, let's just say 500 because, 
500 sounds right. Uh, I think it will feel right. And I think that, you know, with all the moving pieces and, and the difficulty of producing events, um, it's in for that kind of um, one day thing. Um, economically, it still makes sense. Um, so you can have, you know, your awesome crew and all your medical, make sure all the brands are there. And it still makes sense economically because, you know, when you see the races that have 5,000, 10,000 plus, uh, obviously it's as a race director to think about the economics of it. And you're like, holy crap, that would be amazing if we had this infrastructure built and we could actually put <laughs> two or 3,000 people through the start gate because you're going to times four your revenue. So I've thought of ways of being able to do that and use that infrastructure. And that's just to maybe expand what is usually a one day event for the Cirque series into, you know, maybe a two day where, you know, where one day we have the main event uh, and then the next day is like a junior race yeah. course. Uh, we get the kids out or, or something like that. I think there's ways to navigate the, you know, cap that we're going to keep running into when you're on the public lands and the land management and having those permits. Um, and I think that, uh, you're certainly, you're certainly not going to get rich throwing trail run races. That's for sure. But I think for me, you know, um, I really do love it. And it's a great way for me to stay in shape in the summer and allows me to ski, uh, in the winters. And, um, you know, I certainly want it to work economically and it is. Um, and I think there's other ways to make it work even better. Um, so I'm satisfied, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, my mind isn't trying to put 3000 people in the start gate. Um, if it wasn't working economically, mm -hmm. certainly I'd want to think of a way that it would work to get many people. And maybe there is, I think as long as you're sensitive to the vibes, cause I think the outdoor community can see through the corporate bullshit really easily. So I think they appreciate that we kind of blend um that together because i want it to work for the brands for me to throw a great event i think of it from three perspectives number one is the competitor having a good time number two are the sponsors having fun do they think it's worth it and number three is the venue happy that you're there because <laughs> if any three of those aren't working then in, in my opinion you know it's not a, not a successful event so um you know it's a uh, it's a tricky thing, but I find that being able to be at pre-existing venues that have these iconic peaks that I'm used to boot packing to all winter long, to be able to get people up into those environments safely uh, is pretty amazing. To see truly dozens and dozens of people at each race that have never been in those environments before, and obviously I can rely on my history as a professional skier to have a feel for what's reasonable um and what i think you know a mortal can accomplish not just mountain enthusiasts like me <laughs> obviously the pros it's a walk in the park for guys like shalar but it's still a test you know but can can the true novice mm -hmm. can the 60 year old actually you know, walk this course and be done with it in five hours. Is it safe? Is that okay? And it is. And that's what the magic of it. We truly get the the true beginners and it's so fun. It's so rewarding. Um, and I think I mentioned it earlier, but that's part of my motivation is when you're 
in the finish line after the race. And there's about this two hour period. That's just this amazing vibe you can just feel. Um, and I'm sure you guys have experienced it at so many other races. That's just like this magic of this shared experience. And for the Cirque series in particular, you know, we don't have like the, the 20 mile option, the 50 K loop. And then like the short loop, everyone starts at once. We all go to that peak that you can see and we all come back down. So it's like this very cool shared sense of accomplishment. Um, and we're all like just able to embrace afterwards because we all just hiked that same peak. And even though you might've finished a half hour before me, we both pushed it to the red line. We both had the same kind of experience. Um, we both saw the same views. We both walked the same path. Um, so for me as a race director to see like genuine happiness, that also gives me like an awesome sense of responsibility to keep throwing great races. Um, besides just wanting to, you know, establish ourselves as one of the coolest series in the nation. It's just seeing people have so much Beautiful. fun. Um, it really rewarding, you know, like feels amazing and it, it made you, it makes you want to keep throwing great events. Yeah. For sure. You know, I, I would say, Julian um, and, and Jason, you know, having spent almost every summer until COVID for the last six, seven years in Europe, I can say that, you know, the, the thing that that is, you know, I don't feel as as much of a, you know, being hamstrung, Jason, is that we could have races at some of these ski areas that are, you know, from from New Mexico to, you know, Montana we could have those races almost every weekend, you know, and I know that, you know, in Annecy and teens and, you know, Val d'Isere or, or, or Livigno or, or, or all of these mountain towns in Europe, I could almost count on finding a, a training race or a good workout almost every weekend, you know, and, and they would be at these, these, uh, these, these mountain resorts kind of thing. And they, they would have, and the other part that, that was an enabler as well is, is something that we never do for some reason uh, is, is the vertical kilometer. You know, even if it wasn't of, you know, 3,200 feet, it could be 2,000 feet, an uphill challenge, you know, on one day or, or those two events in, 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 in the same day. And then also just the repeat, you know, just making it so fun and so approachable non-ultra distance. And then also having the commercial side of, of you know, being exciting and, and financing it and making it worth, you know, somebody to put on these races. And then also such a fun experience for, you know, the runner and also the ski area or, or the resort to be able to make money off of it. It, it is possible and that excitement can happen and it's approachable and young people can do that. And because because I've seen it happen, you know, it's, you know, Austria, France, Italy and Switzerland, they, they do it. You know, it's there. It's happened. You know, and it, it's 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 fantastic. And it's you know, it's 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 also getting gaining the trust of, you know, the 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 stewards of the land and the, the resorts that, you know, it's not going to screw up stuff. But frankly, man, if you set it up and just string it out in a, you know, a kilometer or something in the beginning of the race, you know, the, and, and as long as everybody is respectful of the land, you know, it, it does, it's not that high impact compared to, you know, building a bike park that, you know, completely changes the, you know, landscape of the, of the, 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 the place. So I, 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 I have optimism. You know, and I, I think that, that we can grow that way 
and uh, get that excitement and have, you know, like the 20 resorts that we've got, whatever, that they could host a, a race in Colorado and then like numbers in Utah, we could get big. It could get real big, unlike, uh, you know, the opportunity for ultra gets a little bit more sticky, you know, but um, I, I'm excited. I, I think that there's a lot to be had here and, and a lot of benefit, like I said, not just because, you know, we want to, Jason and I uh, and Mallory want to make a ton of money, you know, doing tons of races with, with a lot of corporate, you know, you know, money put into it because there's so much excitement, but because people can be outside. And it's one of our like staples of why we do this is that the more people that are out there self-propelled in the wilderness, in the mountains, even if it's a ski area, are going to, you know, want to appreciate that more and, and be, a, a, you know, wake up to the fact that this is this is worth preserving. Um, this is worth being and, and you know, conserving. Yeah. Creating yeah. Stewards. So I, I, I don't and I don't I think that a lot of the the uh, the the excitement and, and loud music and fun party afterwards, you know, that's not for, you know, all the ultra runners, maybe. OK, but, you know, we're out there running, you know, we're playing in the mountains and, and you know, doing something rad. And that that's that's much better than uh, some of the other activities that maybe some of those people that that don't, uh, you know, have that yet. We've made race directing sound like the sexiest job around right now. <laughs> and we're giving away all of our business ideas. <laughs> There's definitely some hard yeah. times. I think that, I mean, I've been out there grinding, you know, setting up the races. And I, I've often thought to myself that I'm always surprised that not more people are throwing similar types of races. But at the exact same thought, I'm like, good luck. Because to, to, you know, dot every I, cross every T, and to have the right kind of races in the high alpine, good luck, because <laughs> it's a lot of work, and you have to have a certain touch, you know, and I've seen, like, when Under Armour tried to do their mountain race series, they just didn't have the right touch, and, you know, it fell apart. I wasn't surprised. I was like, man, they're, they're kind of doing that wrong. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I welcome the right people to come out and do it, and the more the merrier. Um, I want a lemonade stand across the street, you know, um, cause I think that with the right formula, it's just going to generate more interest in the entire mountain running community. And I think that's why it works in Europe because more people are mountain runners there. Just, that's the fact there's more customers, there's more people that are doing that. Um, so to grow mountain running, you need awesome events. You need events that are a blast. You need to have that atmosphere. You need to have the community to get people interested. If you have a, you know, a very plain event, um, that's certainly not going to grow the masses. You're not going to be able to have races every weekend at all the cool mountains around the U S. Um, and you have to have the right kind of production teams. No. Um, I, I, we certainly are going to grow with what you guys are doing and what, what we're doing. I think we can all have a seat at that table. No problem. Um, I, I welcome awesome competition and, um, I want it, you know, I, I just want it to be done right. I get frustrated when I see other, other races that are happening that I think could be improved because it's like, man, so many people are going to get introduced to mountain running and it's just, you know, they're not going to, it might, it's not just, it might not stick for them because, uh, certain things could be done differently. But, um, I think that, 
having the right vibe with the mountain community is important. And then obviously you need to have the right corporate sponsors and, you know, you just got to find the sponsors that align with your strategy. Um, you know, we have for our title sponsors, black diamond and on shoes, and they're both just awesome mountain companies Mm -hmm. that want to be aligned with the company. They see are also true mountain companies. Um, then we have a really cool, you know, laundry list of, uh, supporting sponsors that um, all have the same missions Um, and and the way that we engage with our audience isn't overwhelming. You know, the brands are there and they activate and engage with the the runners, how they see fit. And it's a real fun community. We're not like blasting on the microphone every second that you need to go over to, you know, the backcountry tent to, take a selfie and post it on Instagram with the hashtag blah, blah, blah to get 15%, you know, like none of that. I I can't stand that. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. the brands are there. They can activate how they want. We're not going to do it for them, but they're, you're you're welcome to come. Um, But we're not going to put, we're not going to force anything down the runner's throats. You know, that's what I can't stand when I'm at other events and that's all the messaging you hear. It drives you crazy. You don't want to hear it, you know? You just want to be there yeah. and have a good time. And if you choose to yeah. want to engage with some of these brands, great. So that's kind of the atmosphere that I try to build um, is that I want the brands there and, and they can activate how they see fit. And, and the people are more reciprocal, like re- they're able to receive that kind of messaging because it's not forced at them. Um, so I think it's a yeah. nice yeah. formula that we have going and, and uh, I'm having a blast with it. And it's so fun. To be able to chat with you guys and to learn more, Jason, from the history that you're telling me about some of these other cool events that are around in the 80s. I wasn't quite aware of that. Um, and so I'm really excited to, to learn more about that and, and what else you guys are doing. It's really cool to hear about. So I appreciate uh, having this opportunity to chat with you guys about it all. Right on. Yeah, we appreciate that, man. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I've got to say one more one more thing, man. Think about how many 5K and 10Ks are in Denver and Salt Lake through the summer and even like a color run. And, you know, I, I even, you know, even, you know, doing monkey bars, you know, OCR or something like that. I, 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 if these people would see how much more fun, if they put a little bit more time into, you know, uh, uphill and downhill, how much more I mean, I, I think experience, joy, nature, uh, wilderness, open space, wildlands can bring you than doing another 10K, you know, that's, you know, I, I just, I, I think that we've got a lot. I think we've got a lot there. And I, I think that you're absolutely right in, you know, making the, the event special and, and doing it the right way is super important. But I also think the bar is pretty damn low for, for our competition, you know, for, for what's, what's going on uh, for most people when they think, oh, let's go to run a race. I, I think that is just so magnificently more rich. So I, I, I believe uh, we, can, we, we can do we can make a big, 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 big change. Uh, and, and maybe this post COVID time is, is, is the opportunity. So go team. Let's go kick some ass and get everybody in the mountains playing. Yeah, man. I love it. Hello. Amen. Right what's, on, uh, what's next on your guys' radar? Do you guys have right around the corner? You got some races right around the corner? Like, are you guys already in the thick of it? Yeah, we so we just had this race in Buena Vista, the Spirit Trail Race, which is 
part of the CKS Paddle Fest here every Memorial Day weekend. So it's a race we took over in partnership with the BV community and CKS to help just grow that event. And then we have this really cool race in West Texas in the Davis Mountains called Sky Island every year in September. It, it comes as like it's fall in the mountains. It's still hot as shit in the rest of Texas and people come out. They spend a whole weekend out there. It's really remote. Um, there's this quirky small town called Marfa. That's about 20 minutes outside of the state park. And people love to go there. There's like some hipster Art. hotels and weird, just weird shit out there. And then in between Marfa and the state park is the UT's McDonald Observatory. So people, they have star parties through the weekend. People can go out, see the star parties. And then um, there's a state park just down the road called Balmeray Springs. You just see so you're like in the middle of the West Texas desert. And then there's the spring fed pool full of like aquatic life and uh they got some diving boards people can you know hit that up so anyway that's like a cool there's this whole weekend built around it and then we're this year launching a half marathon in durango yeah the durango fall classic yeah jason's leading that effort so we're at three races right now and kind of holding guard on that and and seeing like what kind of cool opportunities come our way like we we're at the point now where we just want to create really fantastic and differentiated yeah. experiences. So. I, I've got to make a plug for the fall classic, man. We have the, you know, we don't have a, 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 a uh, you know, snowbird Breckenridge, you know, big resort here in Durango, but we have a, you know, eight miles away from town. We have a, you know, 3000 foot climb in less than four miles um, and up to 10,000 feet in the fall Aspen colors, uh, because it's close enough in the Southwest, uh, to, to town and low enough elevation that we can play there. And then there's a ranch there so that we can have, you know, uh, the, the wood burning, uh, wood burning stove pizza and, and bring in a whole bunch of community kind of, uh, vendors because it's only eight miles away from town and have a party atmosphere. People can camp out there, play. So we're starting to like, you know, get that fun and cool thing and like real mountains and you know trying to build that excitement for people to have good stuff and, and no shit durango doesn't even have a trail race and like you know durango for mountain biking skiing the san juans hard rock all that kind of stuff how the hell did that happen so we've got a lot of fun stuff to do and 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 uh we we, we just got started like like we said uh we made this connection this winter and uh, looking forward to to crushing it and, and bringing lots and lots of people a real fun experience and screw the stupid road 5Ks, man. <laughs> I like it. I All right. It. That's what I thought. When I, when I was looking at races, I was like, okay, there's a million marathons, there's a million 10Ks, and then there's the relay races, the mud runs, and, and all these other interesting kind of obstacle course Cheap. stuff and i was like where is the run up the mountain and back down yeah um well that sounds awesome i i look forward to what you guys are doing hopefully i can make it to some of that we'll see how my schedule pans out but uh are we going to see you guys running a, a cirque series this year or what well, I was I was out enjoying the uh, the mountains like uh, skiing, and it was a powder day. And uh, first run down, dude, I was going like you know, 
40 miles an hour first track and uh slammed my leg onto the hard pack upslope a little bit blew my acl meniscus so i'm i am uh three months into that Ooh. and i know i know but i uh I'm uh, I'm running in two weeks and uh, we'll be running the mountains in uh, in July. So I'll, I'll be back. I'm gonna I'll be back in July in the mountains, uh, running, running. I've been mountain biking like crazy. Have have a new mountain bike and uh, yeah, yeah. It's been it's just made me appreciate the the goodness and and uh, I've already bought my ski pass for the winter and maybe do Silverton with my son this 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 winter and. Yeah, things are good, but uh, I had to take a little bit of a break and, and realize, uh, you know, my first real injury at 43, I, I should be should be happy about that. It's not too bad. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I've done the AC twice, so I know that path. It's a, it's a grind, but you can get to the other side and be 100%. So I'm sure you're right on that path and almost, you can see 100% in your sights. So uh Definitely. Um, good luck with that. I know it takes a lot of work to get there, uh, but that work yeah. becomes the fun when you're used to being an active guy. So yeah, man, get back on that saddle and, and glad to hear you're, you're on the men. Good. I'm good. Thank you for coming on the show, Julian. You're, you're one of my heroes and I appreciate you crossing into the, to the run world and, and bringing, uh, you know, that passion uh, and that spark and that new energy and that new idea and in and a, and a way for us to, to go play in the mountains uh, more and more. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. It was great to hear your perspective. I appreciate you sharing with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm grateful to be involved in the mountain running scene. Um, and I'm having a blast doing it and, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see everyone out there on the trails this summer. I think it's going to be an incredible season, uh, but thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate the conversation. 